So we do a lot of education on malpractice insurance itself. The different policy types, understanding tail insurance, and what goes into making a rate, and much more. But for most of you listening, one of the most important things to know is how to avoid a malpractice claim altogether. So in today's episode, we're going to unpack this topic and give you the foundational elements of how to avoid being sued for malpractice. Stay tuned. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. All right, let's jump in. While it's great to learn all of these basic principles about malpractice insurance, The bottom line is, you hope you'll never have to use it, right? So today, we're going to talk about the acronym AVOID, A-V-O-I-D. So how do you avoid a malpractice claim? For this episode, I want to give credit to Dr. Laura Fortner, an OBGYN and a MedMal coach who works with doctors who have been sued to help them process the trauma and walk through the emotional roller coaster of the claim process. Her acronym AVOID is what we're going to be talking about today. The A in AVOID stands for attitude, or as many like to call it, bedside manner. With good bedside manner, healthcare providers can improve communication and reduce errors. How you interact with your patients through tone, body language, and actions has a major effect on their overall experience and their understanding of their condition. When you're interacting with the patient, sit down, use their name, make eye contact, and even though you're incredibly busy and have a lot on your plate, try not to look like you're in a rush. Avoid defensive poses such as crossing your arms or giving the impression of being rushed, like checking your watch or your phone or your pager frequently. Engage and show that you're listening. When you're meeting with a patient for the first time, be sure to introduce yourself and explain your role in their care. Take time to show how you'll be working within the healthcare team so that they know what to expect during the course of their treatment. If you are a specialist who is brought in for a consultation, it's important that this is expressed to the patient so that they don't feel abandoned or insignificant if you don't visit them again. Attitude and bedside manner play such a significant role in building relationships with patients that we've actually seen examples where there was an adverse event and perhaps some negligence, but the patient had no desire to pursue legal action because of their strong connection to their doctor. Providers who do not have face-to-face interactions with patients, such as radiologists or pathologists, or even doctors whose interactions with patients are very limited, and there is no long-term relationship, such as emergency medicine, urgent care, or hospitalists, don't get the benefit of using bedside manner to get to know a patient, which can sometimes result in higher claim frequency for these specialties. Okay, moving on to our next letter, V, which stands for value the patient's perspective. One of the main reasons why patients sue is because they don't feel heard or they feel like the provider didn't care or wasn't compassionate to their situation. 
It's important for you to put yourself in their shoes. Before you go into the room, stop and think. What would the patient be feeling, thinking, and what questions might they have before I walk in? When patients trust their providers and feel like they are heard, they're more willing to openly discuss an issue and ask any questions, share their concerns, and disclose anything that they might feel self-conscious about. They tend to feel happier and more understood. Our next letter O stands for operate in systems. Have a system for everything in your office. The way you do it is always the way you do it. Because of the high volume and the production demands placed on doctors, it is imperative that you have a standard operating procedure for everything you do, and that your team is crystal clear on processes, communication standards, handoffs within the healthcare team, and the overall workflow in the practice. Be organized. Remember that mess equals lawsuit. A messy office comes across as unorganized, and it may make the patient question the type of care that they're going to get with you. A frenzied office and a doctor in a rush does not give a patient reassurance. In fact, it does the opposite. And for you personally, moving too fast leads to mistakes. So operating in systems will help you stay on track and reduce the likelihood of a claim. And it's just good medicine. Okay, so we've covered A, V, O, and now we're on to the letter I, which stands for initiate self-care. Physicians are incredibly motivated, but they can be workaholics and often perfectionists. It's incredibly important for you to take time off when you're away from work. Slow down and be present with your friends and family. Recharge and refill your tank. Make sure that you take care of yourself so that you can take care of your patients. We all know that physician burnout is a very real thing and can also be a huge risk factor when it comes to malpractice. A tired, overworked doctor is more likely to make a mistake. This can be a real challenge in today's healthcare system where production equals pay, but it's absolutely essential that you find balance and take the time to unplug, slow down on occasion, and find moments of joy outside of medicine. All right, so we are at our last letter in the AVOID acronym, and that is the letter D, which stands for Document, Document, Document. This one should come as no surprise, since it's arguably the most important thing that you can do to support your case and to show that the care was given and why you did what you did. Keep your documentation consistent, thorough, and timely. Try not to get caught up into the template of the electronic health records and make sure that you're clearly explaining your thought process, the facts of the case, and the reason for your actions. Why did you choose option A versus option B? Record factual statements of the events in the patient's medical record along with notes related to their follow-up care. Make sure that the chart includes a complete description of your interaction with the patient. If you disagree with another provider, don't use the medical record to document your concerns. Rather, thoroughly document the basis for your treatment. For example, if you disagree with the way that Dr. X handled a situation, don't put it in the patient's file. You can handle that with your administration separately. 
don't backdate any entries in the medical record, and avoid creating entries that may appear to be self-serving. It's better to add an addendum rather than to go back and change what you said. Remember that medical records can be admissible in court, so avoid writing anything in the file that is unrelated to the care of the patient. You want your medical records to be thorough, timely, and objective. If you have any questions on this topic or you want to make sure that you are covered appropriately, click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone, email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. And don't forget to give us a like and please leave a review. Your feedback and support helps us to reach more people. And we're so grateful for your clicks and your kind words. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.